welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hi there, and welcome to today's podcast. No matter where in the world you live, there are many changes happening that will impact on the way that we run our businesses forever. Some of those changes have suddenly been thrust upon us due to COVID-19, whereas others have gradually been changing right under our nose and have maybe been highlighted by the situation that the world is currently in. One of those areas that is changing is the hair color business. So in today's podcast, we're going to talk all things hair color with master colorist David Adams, co-founder of Red Chocolate at 14J Salon in New York. David's years of experience in this industry have included many different roles from salon colorist, educator, salon owner, trichologist, author, celebrity colorist, consultant, and has also been heavily involved in the development of various products, including a major color line. And as if all that's not enough, since David and his partner, Virginia Meyer, opened 14J, as well as servicing a regular clientele, he's been coloring hair for movies and editorial and has looked after the likes of Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Bosworth, Claudia Schiffer, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, to name but a few. So in today's podcast, we are going to discuss what are the changes happening in the hair color business, what impact are those changes having on the salon business? What are the changes in product technology, salon sustainability, and lots more? So without further ado, welcome to the show, David Adams. Anthony, how are you? I'm very good. Good, good. So thank you so much for inviting me. It's a great honor. Um, As you know, I'm a fan. I have your books. I listen to your podcasts. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. It's uh, it, it's great to have the opportunity to talk to you on on the show and uh, to uh, get you to share some of your knowledge with our audience. Now, um, you've been around a while, like me, um, so <laughs> many many people will know you. However, there will be some people that don't know you. Um, so, I like to start with um, an overview. So, if you could give us a, a sort of your five minute backstory of who is David Adams, what is Red yeah. Chocolate, and Fourteen J Salon. So, uh, over to you. Okay, thank you. So I consider myself one of the luckiest hair colorists in the world. You know, I began my career as an assistant to Daniel Galvin when he had his very first salon. So that was Daniel Galvin and Joe Hansford in the same salon. Then from Daniel's, I went to Vidal Sassoon. So I was lucky to be Annie's assistant, Annie Humphreys, and trained by the lovely Christian, which was great too. And then from there, um, Trevor Sorby opened his first salon in Covent Garden, and I became Trevor's head of color department. Um, which is where I got to work with Trevor and Keith Harris and Eugene. Eugene Suleiman was uh, Trevor's assistant at the time. Then we moved to open our first salon in Covent Garden, Casley & Co. And that was such an amazing team of people. Lisa Lauder, Eugene Suleiman, Johnny Sapong, Peter Gray, all these amazing editorial hairdressers who were all assistants in the salon at the time. Wow. So that was fantastic. Then um, I sold the salon. Then I moved into becoming an editorial hair colorist. And that was a great time because that was show my age now. That was MTV. So any pop band that was on MTV used to come to me for hair color. So everybody from, you know, Susie and the Banshees to whoever, whoever, whoever. I don't want to. The list is too long to. 
Right. Okay. Have cool. You can have a podcast about that. Duran yeah. Duran, Spandau Ballet, you know, you name it, it was fun. Good. Um, through that, I worked a lot with um, Ruby Hammer, who's a makeup artist, and her husband, George Hammer, became the Aveda distributor for the UK. Ruby introduced me to George. George introduced me to Horst, who was the founder of Aveda. Um, I then went on as an editorial hair colorist to help Horst create Aveda hair color. Um, Estee Lauder bought the company. Um, I was a sort of a representative for Aveda, if you like. Estee Lauder bought the company. They invited me to become the artistic director for the company when Horst left and Estee Lauder took over. So that's how I came to come to New York. Um, so then I helped Aveda. I was sort of, um, I think the official title was technical artistic director. So I was responsible for the image of the brand to the hairdresser, to the hair selling market throughout the world. Um, so a lot of work in Europe, a lot of work in Asia, videos, education, advanced academies, etc. My My boss at the time was a lady called Virginia Meyer, who I know you've interviewed before. Um, when it came time to leave Aveda, she and I formed our own company, which is Red Chocolate, which is an education company. And people say, where do you get the name Red Chocolate from? Well, we couldn't think of a name. We wanted something more exciting than David and Virginia's education company. So um, our, our branding people said, write down a list of 10 things that you both love. And I wrote my list. She wrote her list. We both had the color red and we both had chocolate. So we just simply called ourselves Red Chocolate, <laughs> which works. And at Red Chocolate, we say we connect the art and business of hair color because that's very important, connect the business to the art. Um, and then after a few years, um, I don't know, I, I always like to keep reinventing and doing different things. And I saw this huge opportunity for a salon in Manhattan. I know Manhattan is overrun with salons, but I just felt there was something missing with the salon landscape there. So we opened 14J about four years ago now. So we are 14J, we are red chocolate. So we go between working in the salon and teaching. That's, that's my quick five-minute overview. Okay, that's great. So, so how active is the education business red chocolate at present? So Virginia is full-time. Um, she has just rewritten Aveda Business College. She's constantly out teaching. Uh, she's just written a book. She's Her coaching and leadership programs are everywhere. Um, so she's very busy. I'm not so busy with the hair color education. I have some, some uh, regular guests, regular clients, if you like, salon groups that I've worked with for many years, and I still work with them. Um, but my focus is bringing the salon up to scratch. You know, when you open a new salon, it's like a new baby. You have to be there 24-7. Yeah. So for the past four years, any education that Red Chocolate, I've done as a hair color educator, the people have come to New York and they've come to us in the salon to have seminars in the salon. I don't want to leave the baby, so people come to the baby. Okay. So, I mean, I remember... Um, you know, seeing you in New York didn't seem that long ago, um, you know, where you were doing what I was doing, uh, which, which is living on airplanes and traveling yes. from, from every single week you were, you know, oh on the road. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, I think we were booked up every weekend for three years. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, my air miles were, were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so when you say you saw a big opportunity for a salon in, uh, in Manhattan, um, like what, what was that? Like, you know, at what point did you know it was the right time for you to get back into salon ownership as opposed to, uh, you know, teaching and educating people? What was, uh, what was the catalyst? Well, there were two things. One was, you know, I, 
I just for me personally, I, I missed being, you know, when you're on the road, and you'll, you'll appreciate this, when, when you're on the road, sometimes you can feel alone. You know, you're standing in front of a group of people, you do your thing, um, you get off, you get on the plane and, and then you come home and then you prepare for the next one. Yeah. And I missed working as a team. I missed working with a group. And when I went back, when I left Aveda, I moved back to New York and I started, a friend of mine has a salon here in Manhattan, and I started to work out of his salon when I was working on movies or working with celebrities. He has a very beautiful salon in the Carlisle Hotel, Yves de Rive. And I started working in his salon. And really, I thought, oh, this is what I miss. I miss being part of a team. I miss sort of, you know, having mm. that creative spark of working with. And I'm a colorist. I need a good haircutter to work with. Yeah. You know, hair color is nothing without a haircut. You know, I always say the haircut is the canvas for the hair colorist to work on. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really, so that, I think that's what sparked me into it. I sort of thought I'd like to have a team again. I'd like to be part of a team. again. Okay. And, and that's going well since you've had the salon open again, there's no, no regrets. You're, you're not thinking, Oh my God, I wish I'd known this before I got back into, <laughs> <laughs> before I got back into salon ownership. I tell you what, it's certainly a culture shop when you, when, when you, when you go back to opening a salon again, yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, on the hours, you know, I'm I'm the wrong side of fifty, and I'm doing the job of a twenty-three year old. But but yeah. you know it, it keeps you alive, and uh, it, it keeps you going. And I love being surrounded by. I have a very young team. You know, I mean, the average age is sort of thirty-two and below. So you know, I'm by far the, the the dad figure. You know, I'm the father figure. But I love being surrounded by the younger people. They have such great ideas, such great concepts, um, and they keep me young. Yeah, so of course. Yeah, it's one of the best things about hairdressing, I think. Yes, okay. exactly. Um, now, I know another thing that you have recently, you know, as you, you alluded to before, you said you like change, you like reinvention. And I know that you all of a sudden decided to study to become a trichologist. Um, yes. What, what was that all about? Like, why have, you, why have you done that? And what's that done to your sort of everyday role, you know, in the salon? So, when I was in London um, and my guests had questions about their scalp or their hair issues, I would send them to Philip Kingsley. You know, he mm -hmm. is the best and, and Kingsley is the best. So I would send my guests there. And when I came to New York, Kingsley have a flagship here, but, you know, New Yorkers are very territorial. You know, I think most cities are, you know, London, New York, um, I'm sure Sydney is as well. Most big cities, you know, Kingsley is uptown and we are downtown in Tribeca. So if you say to somebody, well, there's a great trichologist uptown, they go, oh, I don't know if I want to go all the way uptown. You know, it's like, I don't know if I, if I want to go from Mayfair to Chelsea. I don't want to cross the park. You know? sure. yeah. So, um, and that was it. And Americans tend to go to a dermatologist if they mm -hmm. have hair or scalp issues. And a dermatologist is not really crazy about hair because it takes too long to see a result and they don't earn enough money from it. So even dermatologists okay. are not wild about, about dealing with hair issues. So I thought, well, you know, my clients would start to ask me, hey, I'm losing hair. I'm going bald. I'm thinning. A lot of my guests are the baby boomer. They're my generation. They're in the 50 plus. So a lot of women and men are losing hair through different reasons. And I thought, well, if I cannot send them somewhere and if I don't know the answers to their questions, I better find out myself. Mm. So I did some research and I did a two and a half year program. And it was classic because we just signed the lease on the salon and it was the first month, it was October, and we were about to open the salon and we started all the work on the salon. And just then 
my, fir- my first uh, class came through of, okay, you have a trichology lecture next week. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, you know, this, this is going to be great. So I'm going to be studying as well as opening a new salon and as well as being on the road for red chocolate. But actually it worked out well because I did all, all my studies at airports and on airplanes and in hotel rooms. Okay. So, so that was, was the trichology thing was like an online, is it, is it a degree? Yeah. Well, um, you become a member of the World Trichology Society, and right. it's, uh, it's a proper qualification, yes. But you do a part online and part you go for lectures and chats. Okay. And then for the final week, um, for the final week, you do go to um, a teaching academy and you do work with patients and you have to do consultations. And then you have a written test and you have a verbal test at the end of it. So it was harder okay. than I thought, actually. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, it, I thought it was going to be a six-week program, and it turned out to be sort of two and a half years. Wow. Um, okay. Has it been good for yeah. business? I mean, is it, is it something we you integrate into the salon services that you offer? Yes, we just started. I took a year off from when I got qualified. I wasn't really sure how to bring it into the salon. Yeah. Um, and it's like all things. It's like becoming a hairdresser again. You know, all of a sudden, you, someone says, you're qualified. Tomorrow, you can get your own chair. And yeah. then you go, oh, my God, how do I deal with this? So, you know, I, ha- I had to think about how we were going to bring it in, how we were going to coordinate services. And so I spent a year doing that. You also need a network. You know, I need to have a dermatologist. I need to have a hair surgeon. Um, I need to have a doctor that I can send people to for blood tests. So I built my network. I have those now. Um, and I, we just started launching, um, just before, um, we took a break. Um, I just started launching, um, 14 J trichology and we have a a website and we have a, an Instagram, my thinning hair solutions, and we're off to the races. It's great. It's been good. It's just, I think it's good to have another arm of your business yeah we and connected to that we do a lot of extensions we we also uh we have a gentleman in our salon john who is amazing with wigs and hair pieces yeah and what we call toppers you know things so we have those made for people so we're slowly building up a great business of it's almost it's amazing it's there's a whole culture out there there's this whole sort of sub market around thinning hair it's really interesting. It's really and people interesting. are prepared to pay a lot of money for that, aren't they? Yeah, uh, it's two sides to that. One is, yes, right. people are prepared to pay a lot of money for that. And yeah. two, there's a lot of sharks and charlatans out there that, okay. that are ripping people off and charging far too much. They sort of yeah. prey on people like that as well. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah. So, um, but yes, I love it. I love it. Okay. And, you know, and, and I have to be honest, you know, coming back, to, as you mentioned it first, but talking about age, you know, I, I'm, I'm, con- can I get to the point where someone's going to say, I don't know if I want that old man to color my hair anymore. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if I put a white coat and a shirt and tie on, I'm a perfectly respectable trichologist. Yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. you know, I yeah, don't that, mind that old man talking <laughs> to me about my, my scalp issues. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that perception, isn't it? Um, you yes. touched on something then, which I think uh, a lot of salons uh, have probably been reflecting on. I know we weren't going to talk about COVID-19, and, but, but as I said to you, when we agreed we weren't going to talk about <laughs> it, we both said, but it'll be impossible for it not to come up. And, and I think one of the things that you just touched on where you said, I forget the way you, the exact words you used, but basically you said it's given us another source of revenue. And yes. I think that for salons, a lot of them at the moment, 
um, that they would be wishing they had other income streams coming in that, that are still very much related to how the salon works. But if you're just cutting hair or just coloring hair or just cutting and coloring, whatever, um, th- then you're more vulnerable than someone who might have other services that they're doing, whether it's wigs or trichology or extensions or you know whatever those things are. Yeah. So um, it's it's interesting that you've um, that you've gone ahead and done that. So. Well, um, you know- there's sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But right. I was just going to say there's a saying that your best customer is your existing customer. Yeah. Right? So what does my existing customer want that I'm not providing? Yeah. You know, and and I think that's a good basis I look at every day. And I ask my guests, you know, what else could we do for you? Well, I'd like to have a manicure. Okay. I'd like to have a pedicure. Okay. Well, I have this scalp issue. Okay. So I I, I think it's it's good to ask your guests, you know, what what would you like that we we don't offer. Yeah. And that, I mean, I used to, when I was behind the chair with clients, clients with skull problems, uh, I would send them to a trichologist. Right. Um, so what I'm, I suppose I'm, I'm wondering here is, do they take you seriously? So I would oh, say, yes. oh, go and see this chap. He's a, psycho- a trichologist. I was going to say psychologist. He's a trichologist. <laughs> well, we're, we're that you know, too. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's, here's his card, you know. And so off they would yeah. trot to some office upstairs and, and see the, the, you know, the older guy with the, the white coat on who was yes, a psychologist. Exactly. Who, and, and they would willingly write out a check for, you know, hundreds of dollars. Yes. The salon situation, when it's, yes. oh, I'm a trichologist as well as a, a hair colorist, they take yes. that seriously? Yes, and and that's where my issue was with bringing the trichology into the salon. Yeah, was that we don't have the space at the moment. There's two parts to trichology. One is the consultation. Yeah, and then one is the treatment. So I'm doing half a consultation, and I'm focusing on the treatments. And what I say by half a consultation is that you do have to ask people a lot of private questions about their their health, especially yeah. women, and. Um, <laughs> um, I found that a little bit embarrassing in the beginning. Right. Yeah. You know, with somebody who's, who's, whose hair I've been coloring for a long time to start to ask them about their body functions. Yeah. Um, and, and also, we don't have a private space to do it. So sure. I can do enough. I know enough and I can position enough. And we've written out, um, we have this great consultation form. We give the guests and we go through it with them. So I, I can touch on areas that they don't have to go further with. Um, I know you have a worldwide audience, but I think American people are very open. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, they will tell you their life story in the first five minutes. So they don't, they don't mind telling you anything and everything. So yeah. it, depends on, it depends on the guest. Um, sure. We have an international clientele. So um, that's why I was sort of slow in bringing it to the salon. So I had to find the right positioning. Um, but it's, it's amazing. And we have a really nice uh, steam machine. It's called a mist. It comes from Takara Belmont. And we use that and people love it. People are coming in as they do in Japan, where people go to the salon every week for scalp treatments and hair treatments. Mm -hmm. People are coming to us every week for scalp treatments and hair treatments. And when they see that hair grow back, you are, it's the same feeling as when somebody has an amazing haircut or an amazing color and they leave the salon with a hop, skip and a jump. There is nothing better than seeing that look on somebody's face when their hair grows again. Yeah, you know we are we are um, in the feel good business, right? And when somebody has hair, we make them feel good by making it look even better. Yeah. But when somebody has little hair or is losing hair, and you can make that hair come back, you are a god. Yeah, exactly. You know? And yeah. and it makes you feel like one too. Yeah, it's I'm the sure. best feel. 
the I'm best sure. feeling in the world. Yeah. The best feeling in the world that when you're helping people. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, in the intro, as I yes. alluded to, we're going to talk about all things hair color. So the the trichology thing intrigues me, but I want to get on to the the hair color side of things. Um, and it's been interesting. I mean, you and I have had conversations over the years about the the new player on the market. You know, the internet color companies like yes. L'Oreal, uh, Color and Co or E-Salon um, from Henkel, or the Madison Reed one, which is still privately owned. And it, it's been interesting why we have had this shutdown. Obviously, the professional divisions of those companies have taken a hit uh, because yeah. salons are shut down. Um, but the home color market, whether they're accessing those products from you know aisle seven in the supermarket, or whether they're getting them through these online color companies, like I just alluded to, uh, they, they're obviously doing quite well out of it. And, you know, when you go online and you're looking at any of these um, Facebook feeds or, or, you know, Instagram feeds, th- th- there are two very clearly uh, divided camps in the professional industry about, you know, selling clients color kits or recommending that they use, you know, these other services. So, uh, let's dig into that. You tell me what what your thoughts and feelings are about all that sort of stuff in terms of how you run your salons and um, and 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 where you think those um, companies are fulfilling a need, and perhaps even where you think they're um, what's the word? You know, biting a chunk out of the salon yes. business. Yes, I, I think to a certain extent, um, there is always going to be the person that colours their hair at home, whether it's from convenience for price whatever, just because they like to do it themselves, they like a girl's night in, you know, that poor portion of the market is always going to be there. And then you have the other side, and they're, they're interesting, you know, I mean, DP, um, Madison Reed is purchased online, eSalon is purchased online. Um, we, When we teach our red chocolate classes, we start off with a presentation that focuses on these online movements. And it's interesting that a lot of hairdressers are still not aware of these things. Yeah. And um, I've been through every single website uh, as, as, as a lady and as a gentleman looking to color my hair. Um, the one thing they do do, which is amazing, they have an amazing consultation. Yeah. And um, even um, yesterday evening before, just in preparation for today, I, I took another one. And I said that I was brown and wanted to go blonde. And they said, oh, no, it will be too brassy. You can't do that. And I was like, well, good for you. you know, it's great. So they, they, and obviously they're backed by hair colorists working on it as well. So, so they know what they're doing, but I think they're great. There's another one here in, in America called DP Hue. Yeah. And um, that one's a slightly different one where you go, it looks like a salon. You go into the salon, a hairdresser gives you a consultation and gives you the perfect color to take home with you to do yourself. So that way you're getting you're getting better guidance and better judgment. Obviously, mm-hmm. depends on how good the hairdresser is. But you know, it's it's they're they're trying to trying to connect the step between purely online and salon. And we have this sort of space that looks like a salon, but you can buy the kit to take home. Both Madison Reed and DP Hue have open sort of color bars where they can where you can go in and get your roots done. Um, they're not doing highlights. They're basically just retouch applications and forehead color applications. There's no bleaching, no highlights. Um, and I, I, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I love them. I think they are great because they sh- should make us as hairdressers step back and say, why 
are people doing this? Mm-hmm. And we've held some focus groups with consumers as red chocolate that use home hair color. And when we sort of got to the crux of the matter, okay, why do you color your hair at home? Who do you use? Why do you do it? Sometimes it's the price. But I tell you, here in the US, maybe an average retouch, and I'm talking, you know, an average salon could be $50 to $60. Um, DPU is $70 a time. So it's not necessarily cheaper. So price point, maybe convenience, maybe experience has always been the answer. The answer is, you know what? I've been to the salon two or three times. I'm paying a fortune. They can't get my color right. Whatever. I'm going to do it myself. You know, it's an interesting one. Mm. So I, th- I think that that's, that disappointment with the hair colorists is leading people in that direction. And that, that's a general sweeping statement before you get hundreds of letters of complaint. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's just that's what those consumers have told us. Yeah. It, it's been really highlighted by the fact that at this point in time, consumers have got no option. So, no. you know, um, you know, when you and I started hairdressing, you had two very clear camps. You, you, yes. you, you had the box color on aisle seven with no one to give you a consultation. No. Um, you know, the girl behind the counter wasn't a hair colorist. She couldn't give you any advice. She didn't even bother asking her. You, you no. bought a product based on the picture of the woman on the cover of the box yes. you know, on set. Or you went to a salon. And then what's crept in over the last 10 years, um, e-salon, you know, Madison Reed, DP Hugh, and then, you know, L'Oreal have had a huge push in with their uh, product called Color & Co., and, um, you know, it's interesting with, with their marketing and stuff. I mean, they don't even make any attempt to describe their product as being anything other than a professional product. I mean, they talk, oh, about no. they say, you know, salon quality color at home. I mean, so yes. what I'm leading to here is this. How different is the product in the tube? Well, here, here's an interesting one for, for, for you and I, for our background. So part of my presentation shows, um, I'm not sure who owns Vidas Assume product now. Is it Procter & Gamble? Um, but anyway. They own the name still. Right. Okay. So there's this great ad they have for home hair color. And I'm looking at it now. It's called Salonist Hair Color. It's more than color. It's a work of art. And it says, treat the roots, they're linked separately as done in salons. Um, and then this box of hair color has the color for the roots, and then it has a diluted version for the mid lengths and ends. Okay. So, you know, they're, they're trading on and they're beautiful haircuts. I'm sure they'd be done by a Sassoon team member. So, you know, they're really connecting the salon mm. experience to the home experience. Yeah. Um, the quality of the product, you know, I mean, you have to be honest, anything that's a dark color or a brown um, is going to be coverage. Anything blonde is going to be hit and miss. Reds are going to be hit and miss, depending on how you apply the color. You know, um, but that's where DPU steps in because they say, you know, apply the color to the new growth first, let it process for a little bit, then apply it to the middle incidents. And, and consumers are wise. I mean, consumers have been going to salons for years. So they know a lot about hair color. They know a lot about technique. But really, let's face it, it's not, we're not just selling hair color, we're selling a service. And, and as you know, my two passions around hair color are consultation, 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 and customer service. And that's where earlier I said to you there was a gap in the market for a really good quality salon in Manhattan that focused on consultation and customer service. And I think those are the two most important things 
to get people to return mm. is consistently consultation and customer service. And if you look at our website, it says, please come in for a chat. You know, we invite every guest to come in for a consultation before they book the service. Mm-hmm. So we can talk to them about what they want. We can, we can talk to them about everything. And the number of guests that come in and they say, oh, my God, you know, nobody's ever sat and talked to me about my head before. Mm. You know, I, 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 I said, well, look, when you think about beauty treatments, doctors, dentists, lawyers, nobody just says, come in and let's do the thing. They say, come in and let's chat about and have a consultation about. And then we decide what we're going to do. Mm. Right? You know, you don't go into a doctor and he lies you on the operating table and says, okay, what are we going to remove today? <laughs> you know, it's like we sit in the office first and have the chat about what we want to do. Okay. So I, I love consultation. And that's where I think some of these websites, they have great consultation tools on them. Yeah. So, so what, you're, what you're saying is that the stuff that's in the tube isn't all bad. I mean, it's average. It's average because they're owned by the same companies. I mean, yes, Color & Co is owned by L'Oreal. E-Salon is owned by Henkel. You know, they yes. own all these other brands. So, sure. I mean, the, the obvious sort of conclusion is you, you, you reach as well, you know, why would they be putting an inferior product in a tube uh, to sell to consumers? It's it, How inferior can it be? You know, so because well, that's always the thing that we've been taught for years is no. it's a very different product. But as I said to you, even the marketing that they do now is is blatantly saying it's salon quality color at home. So yes. it, it, you can understand why hairdressers are con- or why consumers are confused because I'm confused that I'm a hairdresser. Yes, exactly. I w- I would say I mean, be, be, I've done side by side testing yeah. and the products that I've used. They're not as good a quality as what we use in the salon. Good. Um, but, you know, they've probably got higher ammonia contents. I mean, the thing is, you know, when, when people pick a color off the shelf, they don't, the manufacturer doesn't know who's going to pick that color up. Mm-hmm. So they just have to make something that's going to work across the board. So some people, I know people that have colored their own hair for years and it looks great. Yeah. And, and I think one of the big things that's going to come out of this uh, rest we're on at the moment is that there's going to be a lot of uh, color correction happening in salons when we, yeah. when we first open. Cause I think from my guess, people are either leaving their hair and not touching it and just let it grow out or they're using mascaras or hair makeup. Or if they are using the color, I've had a few mouths to go, well, I've used this and it's done this to my hair. What do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, 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 Exactly. (laughs) So, so the thing you've touched on there a couple of times is basically you're saying the product's not as good. Okay. So that's, that's comforting. You know, if I'm a hairdresser out there, that's comforting. Uh, Even though it's owned by the same brands. Um, But you keep alluding to, but they do a good online consultation. And I agree with you because I've gone on those online websites. And as you say, they're manned by professional hair colorists who yes. uh, can do like a Skype consultation. I mean, I'm talking to you at the moment over Zoom. You know, yes. you could be sat in the salon with me. I could be saying, you know, tilt your head forward, David. Let me have a look at your roots, you know, whatever yes. it is. You yes. know, so so it, it, it's really this middle ground, isn't it, that they've occupied. And I can understand why they've done it, and, and I completely get it from a business perspective, you know, for, for these big, you know, multinational uh, stock market listed uh, companies. I mean, they need to be in every route to market, whether it is, you know, supermarket, pharmacy, uh, a professional or the online thing. Um, and 
as you alluded to, those consultations that you're guided through, whether it's with a, a professional licensed hair colorist on the other end of the screen, or whether it's just going through their algorithm, it's pretty damn good. And unfortunately, what we both agree on is that it's actually better than what a lot of salons are going to do for you out there. And that is where the problem lies, isn't it? From the consultation, yes. And I think the way we position this is um, there was a great book written by an economist, Thomas Friedman, who writes for the New York Times. And he was talking about how in the future, it's really going to be artisans was the word he used, people who work with their hands. They're going to have the power in the future. And, and he talked about hairdressers in that. And he, he was saying that the time of average is over. And we start our presentation with average is over. And then we show the things like DP Hue and all these other things that are online. And then we talk about how we shouldn't sit back and go, oh, my God, that's competition. We should look forward and go, oh, my God, that's competition. I'm going to trounce them into the ground. Not yeah. one of my guests is going to go and use that product because I give such a great consultation. I give such great customer service. And, by the way, I do such great hair that they won't want to even look at something like that. Yeah, exactly. Be too afraid. Yeah, that's that's always my message as well. As you know, I say to a room full of hair colorists, hairdressers, go online, do their consultation, buy their product, have it shipped to you, and see what you're up against because it's good. Their marketing yes. is good. Their packaging, exactly. their customer service, all of that is good. And and if that doesn't shake you to the very core as a salon owner and make you get your act together and make sure that people are getting good service and good consultations, then nothing will. And as a result, you then deserve to have someone come and eat your lunch, basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> really right, what like it boils down to. Yeah. 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 So um, when you were talking about consultations before, do you, do you charge for them? No. We, what, what we do, um, we have a really nice space in the salon. It's a, a banquette with two seats on it. And then behind it, we have an iPad. We have um, with you know head pictures, head color pictures, etc. Um, we have a consultation form that we fill out with the guest, and the guest takes a copy of it, and we keep a copy of it, which we then transfer into the computer. Um, and then we also have a scalp camera, so you know I can talk to the guest if they mention anything about their scalp. I can take a picture of their scalp. I can check their hair, and we sit there and we take a thirty-minute appointment, and consultations are free. And, you know, that's always a big discussion where people go, well, that's 30 minutes of my time. And I say, yes, but if that guest comes back to be a regular client, you know, how much is she going to bring mm -hmm. and how much, how many friends is she going to recommend, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think, I don't think anybody is busy, busy, busy that we don't have time to do a consultation. Yeah. And we try to stagger them for the busy colorists. We do them at the end of the day. So when their last guest is processing and being blow-dried, that's when they do their consultations. Right. Uh, now, uh, can, can I put you on the spot? Because I might have this. Yes. But didn't you used to charge for consultations? Uh, yes, I did. When I was in London, I used to charge for a consultation. Right, but okay. Th but, then, <laughs> but then I was booked out three months in advance. <laughs> then, okay. Then you, then you were lucky to get an appointment with me. Yeah. And the main reason I did consultations in those days was – to stop time wasters yeah because you know because new guests would book an appointment and then not show yeah um, but that was because i had my business model wrong that was yeah. because you know we weren't i'm not going to say we weren't honest but we didn't broadcast what we charged 
Yeah. So, so that was the other thing that people would make an appointment, and then maybe they'd ask around and find out, you know, how much I charge. Went, oh, I can't afford that, or I don't want to pay that. Mm. And you know, and then they, they wouldn't show. So I charge for consultations because if somebody pays for something, then you know they're going to turn up. But here's what we do do. So we do complimentary consultations, and then what we do do is if somebody wants a long service, keratin treatment, extensions. Psychology appointments, color changes. We do ask them to make a deposit for their appointment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and then that way, then you know if they're serious about coming in or not. Because I don't want to put an hour, two hours on my books, and then that person decides not to show. Right. And if that person is not serious, they're not going to make the deposit. Sure. Or if or if I feel the guest is just shopping around for the best price, yeah. Then I say yes, that's great. And if you'd like to make a fifty dollar deposit, we can secure your appointment. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yes, well, I'm a bit busy today. It's like, yeah, well, you're not really serious anyway. So sure. Okay. So you so know it's a standard fifty dollar Yeah, depending on what it is. That, that, that's yeah. it's, against the service. Exactly. Or yeah. for some things, like if it's extensions, we might charge them for the hair. Yeah. And then when they come back, they just pay for the service. Sure. And actually, some people like that because it helps spread the cost as well. Yeah, of course. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, now, b- before we entered this uh, new world that we're living through it on, you know, the word that we're, that we're not allowed to mention. <laughs> that we're not mentioning. Uh, yeah. Before that, we were talking about, w- with almost the same degree of hysteria and commitment, uh, we were talking about climate change. And yes. when we were talking about climate change, hand in hand with that was talking about um, all things to do with uh, sustainability, et cetera. And, and that seems to have been, well, it's not, it's not been put on the back burner, but, but what we're living through at the moment has just taken over. Um, and I'm sure we will get back to talking about sustainability and climate change, et cetera, um, you know, uh, on, the, on the other side of this. Uh, so what I wanted to ask you about was, um, well, I want you to talk about about sustainability and what, mm-hmm. um, as salons and colorists in particular, uh, we should be be doing in those areas. Yes, and actually, I don't know if you know, but today is Earth Day. Yes, I did know that. And yeah. today is the fiftieth anniversary of Earth Day. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay, and there you go. So, my question to you is: How sustainable are you? <laughs> Well, hang on, this is my podcast, David. Let's be reasonable. <laughs> so, 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 um, well, as you know, I, you know, I spent many years working with Aveda. So, yeah. you know, Aveda was the very first company to, to talk about recycled packaging, everything being naturally derived from plants and flowers. So, you know, our salon is, I wouldn't say we're the most sustainable, but we're probably, you know, 70, 70% there you know, with our practices in the salon, with yeah. the products we use, with everything we look at. I mean, even now, you know, uh, we're looking at um, sustainability in gloves. We're looking at sustainability in face masks. You know, we, we're looking at everything we can and everything we do. And normally for Earth Day as well, you know, we, we are – last year we raised uh, a lot of money for Walk, the charity for water. And um, – we had enough money to have a well-built, a well-drilled in Africa. Good. Um, so I, I think, you know, everybody and my guests, we're, we're, we're on the sort of slightly higher-end salon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're in Tribeca, which is, I think it's at the moment, like the fourth or fifth most expensive area in the US. And so our guests are very eco-conscious. Yeah. They are. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's something, and the guests, here's the thing, the guests know a lot about it, but they're confused <clears throat> a lot about it. Sure. So, you know, they come in and they go, is this an organic color? It's like, no, it's not an organic color. And, and so you have to explain to them. And they ask, you know, they're, they're, they're aware, but yeah. they just don't, they have the buzzwords that come from marketing and PR and the press, but they don't really understand mm. what is organic, what is naturally derived. Does it, is it something that's good for me? Is it not? So that, that's part of the consultation process. And then, you know, we talk to them about the ingredients in our color. We talk to them about the difference between the different hair colors. I never say one is better than the other. I just say, look, we feel this and that's why we use this product. Mm. We feel this and that's why we use this product. I don't say anything's bad. I just tell them what we use and why we use it and why we yeah. like it. Yeah. So our first choice is always going to be something that is naturally derived or something that is, you know, quote, organic. So it's, it's an awkward word to use, organic, um, because depending on where you are in the world and depending on the government regulations, you could have a product that's 99% harsh chemical yep. and 1% organic, and you can still claim your product to be organic. Yeah. So organic is not always, you know, and even with foods, you know, a lot of products, can they say they're organic. And when you look at the sugar content, you're like, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like oh it's organic sugar then <laughs> yeah yeah Got so it. it's that, that's a big area that's a big area that whole what is organic what is naturally derived um but we try our best everything yeah. we offer you know coffee tea everything we offer in our salon we try and offer organic mm. what, what, what about from a hair color product perspective uh, uh, clients becoming, I mean, there was a big thing in the US. I don't know if you saw it. It wasn't long before Christmas, so it sort of got buried a little bit. But there was some research that was released about, uh, which comes up periodically, about cancer and yeah. hair color. And, yeah. uh, and I'm surprised there wasn't more noise made about it um, because you know, in the media, because there is a, there is a, a, a direct link. Um, between certain things and hair colour, apparently, and r rises in the incidence of breast cancer, particularly among certain ethnic groups, was what this report in December was alluding to. Do you, as a colourist, find clients, um, you know, coming in on the back end of that, because it was all over the media, and wanting to know stuff and asking about, oh, you know, do you have PPT or PPD or is it organic or, or all that sure. sort of stuff? Yeah. Sure. And, and I think as a hair colorist, you, know, you have to do your research. You, you have to know. I mean, I read the initial government report in the UK about cancer in hair dyes, and they were injecting laboratory mice mm. with the hair dye. So right. a little bit extreme. Yeah. Um, the only known cases of hair dye causing cancer, interestingly enough, that I've seen documented are male hair colorists who develop pancreatic cancer which is an interesting one. Okay. Um, yeah, but nothing to do with guests. And I think there's a couple of things here. I mean, our, our goal is to really calm the guests down and to explain the difference between what is PPD, what is PTD, what is a permanent hair color, what is not a permanent hair color, what is best for you. If you're concerned about those chemicals, don't have permanent hair color, have semi-permanent hair color. Mm -hmm. And then we have to think about talking to our guests about ingredients. I and mean, the guests, they know, you know, so we have to talk to them about the ingredients in our products, what's good, what's not good. Um, the biggest one in the last few years has been the whole ammonia debate. Um, 
you know, certain companies have bought out products where they say, we have an ammonia-free permanent hair color. Well, you don't. You just have an ammonia substitute, which right. is MMEA, which some people say is worse than ammonia. And ammonia is not harmful at all. So, but I think the official figure is 1.5% of the population have allergies to cosmetics. And as Horst, who founded Aveda, always used to say, you can be allergic to plants and flowers as much as you can be allergic to harsh chemicals. Yeah. So it's not really, is this a nasty product? It's just, yeah. what, is, what is my, what are the allergies? What is my body tolerance? And part of a good consultation should be two things. One should be, if you're not sure you can lift the guest's hair, then perhaps we should do a strand test. If the guest says she has allergies, and if she's not sure, then we should definitely be doing a patch test. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever opened a tube of hair color, there's either a sheet of paper that comes out with it, or if you open up the, the paper tube, there's writing on the inside of it. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever read that writing, basically that's the manufacturer handing over responsibility to the hair colorist mm -hmm. because that sheet of paper says in normally sort of five or six different languages, you should do a patch test before you apply this color to somebody's head. Yeah. And that's you know, an thing because in the UK, for example, as you know, they're very diligent about that. Now there's very few salons over here that will color a client's hair that hasn't had a patch test. Right. As I notice in the U S a lot more, interpretation of that it's a lot there's not that many salons <laughs> i'm being generous there's not that many salons that are doing a patch test is there no because again because our business is not structured that way i mean mo most people are structured right you've got an hour or 45 minutes to do somebody's hair yeah and then they walk in and you say well if i do a patch test it's going to take me 15 20 minutes well there goes my appointment time i have no time to do the person's hair whereas when you invite someone to come in for a consultation or you have to say to every new guest before you come into the salon, please come by for a patch test. Yeah. No, so it's just structuring here. your yeah. business accordingly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are allergies increasing? I think food allergies are, which I find very bizarre. I mean, when I was a child, I didn't know anybody who was allergic to anything. Um, yeah, we couldn't, afford, we couldn't afford allergies. <laughs> <laughs> <Luxury>. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you're right. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I mean, now, I mean, Going back to the sustainability thing, I mean, you know, we, we have snacks and we have refreshments in the salon and, you know, we have things for children as well. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I have to make sure when I buy them that everything's individually wrapped yeah. and everything's organic, yeah. you know, and, and the guests will come and I say, oh, if they bring their child with them, say, would your child like a drink? They go, well, what is it? Mm -hmm. And then I show them and they go, oh, yes, that's fine. And would they like a snack? Well, it can't be nuts and it can't be toffee and it can't be, you know. Anything like, with sugar in it, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, one last question on, the, on the, um, the product technology thing. I mean, it's not new anymore, but the Plex-type products. Yes. How much have they revolutionized your job as a colorist? Mm, not really. Um, so when you come into our salon, we have a beautiful neon sign at the front mm -hmm. and it's more like a piece of art really and it says beautiful color begins with healthy hair and that's our mantra at 14j beautiful color begins with healthy hair and we trademark that we own that and the reason we did that is because that's how we approach our guests so if a guest comes in and she wants something that we feel will damage her hair not look good on her we will not do it so therefore, the power of consultation has to step in. 
mm-hmm. you know, guests come in quite often and they show you those white, white, white blonde hair. And, you know, she's a dark brown. <laughs> she, she's showing you this silver white head of hair. Yeah. And then we just say, well, you know, first of all, we talk about the picture and say, you know, has it been photoshopped? Has it been retouched, et cetera, et cetera. Then we talk about, well, with your hair and the condition of your hair. And if you were to color your hair that way, this is probably what would happen to your hair. And, and then sometimes they step up and say, oh, yes, but if I use one of those Plex products. And, and I think that sometimes those Plex products, you know, they were originally created for the after effects of hair color. Mm-hmm. You know, I bleach somebody's hair to death. How am I going to stop it from falling out now? Well, here, put a Plex product on and it will stop it from falling out. Right, so and do, I think you, what, do you use them? Do you use uh, Plex? You don't even use one. Right. Okay. And, right. and I, we don't have them in the salon. Our colorists, don't, they don't like them. Because we, we feel, and we're probably the only salon in the world that feels this, yeah. we feel that if you are coloring hair correctly yeah. and you are doing the right thing, why do you need to use a product that's going to bring the hair back to life? Because we don't destroy the hair in the beginning. Mm. So I know you've asked me before, you know, do you turn people away? It's like, no, we don't turn people away. But we say to them, look, for your skin tone, for your eye color, I think this could be a better color. For the condition of your hair, this could be a better color. And we show them pictures and we talk, you know, hence the art of the consultation, right? And if in the end, if the guest is really adamant and says, look, it's my hair, it's my color, I want to be white blonde, then we just simply say, I'm sorry, but I can't do that to your hair. Mm. And my job is to make you look beautiful and to keep your hair in good condition. My job is not to destroy your hair. So unfortunately, I can't do that for you here. We've been open four years. It's, open, it's happened once. Yeah. Where a lady, a lady yeah. was that, that determined to have that. Mm. And, and we have a program. The, the guests nicknamed it, actually. Um, they call it Hair Rehab. Mm. And we had a magazine pick up on it. And um, it was Allure magazine. And Elle magazine did a feature on it, too. Hair Rehab at 14J. <laughs> So now we have all these ladies that have had their hair trashed and destroyed and bleached to death in other salons coming and saying, help me. (laughs) So I I think what those Plex products do, and again, this is just my opinion. So I don't want you to get, you know, don't want to get hundreds of hair colorists screaming. Come to me if you want to scream at me, not not Anthony. Um, I think they enable people to push the envelope further than they should do. And I think, you know, hairdressers say, well, I can't really bleach that hair, but if I use the Plex products, I can probably do it. And my question is, should you really be doing it in the first place? Okay, interesting. But it, really, it really depends on your approach to hair. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know it's an obvious thing, but many years ago, I, I, I was having a meeting outside the salon in London, and it was uh, a really boring meeting. And I was just watching people come out of the salon, and I just realized that the ones that had the best hair color had the healthiest hair. And I thought, right, for every person to have fantastic hair color, they have to have fantastic condition. That's my yeah. mantra. Yeah, that's a good mantra to live by. Okay, well, uh, moving on along a bit, because I just want to talk a little bit about your salon uh, as, a, as a business. It's, n- it's not a specialist color salon, or is it? No, we are, we are specialists. We specialize as in we have hair cutters and we have colorists. And within that division, we also have – cutters that specialize in keratin treatments or extensions or wigs. And we have colorists that specialize in balayage and hair painting and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So we're, we're all round colorists and we're all round stylists, but there are some subdivisions in that as well. 
Okay. When you talk about, well, when I talk about colour salons, colour specialist salons, what are your thoughts about them? Because I see uh, more of them, you know, popping up in different countries that they only colour hair. Yes. I I think, well, you know, when I very first started, I mentioned earlier, I trained at Daniel Galvin. Yeah. And and Daniel was the very first colour only salon. Yeah, exactly. And we had, and when they had a basement and people go and blow dry their own hair downstairs or run across the road to Ricky Burns or Burlington's or somewhere and, and get their hair done and then come back you know, yeah. to see us, you know. Um, I have nothing against them. A few years ago, somebody asked me if I'd like to open some with them. And I just felt that the income stream was just so restricted, you know, because every guest is sitting there. I mean, how many guests come in for a hair colour? And then while they're there, the first thing I say to them is, are you having a haircut today? And they go, oh, I didn't book one, but if someone's free, I wouldn't mind a trim. You know, or somebody's complaining when I'm doing the consultation, they're complaining about the texture of their hair. My hair's so frizzy, I don't know what to do about it. Hey, come and speak to Fred about having uh, a keratin treatment. You know, so I, I, think, I think you limit your income, you know, but I don't have anything against them. I think they're, you know, they're great. If you're a good colorist, I don't see anything wrong in that at all. Sure, but I just think the income—it's hard to make that P and L work on just one service. Yeah, that's depends, true, and it all depends on the rent and the overhead and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, and then your target market, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about was color tables. Um, I I go into some salons and they, you know, clients get their hair colored around a table as opposed to in front of a you know a workstation in a mirror, and I'm yeah. often asked about them as to how effective they are. Some people just use the color table as a processing area, you know. Yeah. So, so they might have the color done in front of a mirror, then they move to a color table for processing. What, what What are your thoughts about that as a colorist? I think if you have the space, they're great. Um, we don't have the space. When I opened 14J, my original vision for a salon was to have a cutting area and a styling area, um, and I wanted the color area not to have any mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, in the processing part of it, you know, um, but we don't have the space. But I think they're great. Um, I remember Bumble and Bumble used to have an amazing one in their meatpacking um, location in their school. There, I yeah. think it was it was they had it custom made and, and they had a huge room, no mirrors on the walls, and it was something like a, I think a fifteen or twenty seater table. It was amazing, and they had plugins for the laptops. They had Wi Fi. Um, I think it, yeah, I think they're great, um, and I think the guest actually because if you want privacy, you can have privacy, and if you want to chat, and most salons, you know, there I notice in our salon, you know, a guest will start a conversation, and there really isn't a lot of privacy in a hair salon, and and all of a sudden the guest next door will start joining in the conversation, and before you know it, there's four or five people having the same conversation. Yeah. And it's what I love about salons; they're they're a community. You know, people can they come in, they meet each other. You know, friends meet each other. It's, it's interesting. I like it. They bring their friends in. They schedule to come in together. We, we offer Prosecco and wine as well to our guests. Um, organic, obviously. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, people come in and like, yeah, I'm going to come with my girlfriend. We're going to come after work and have a few glasses of wine and have our hair done. I think, you know, salons are great community centers, I think. They really are. So yeah. I, I quite I quite like those um, I quite like those tables because the clients always complain about oh god look how awful I look when my hair's being coloured. Yeah. Do you do you use one yourself though when you're applying yeah. colour, or do you prefer to have a mirror in front of you? Well, we we our salon's not geared that way because we don't have right. the space, right. yeah. and and we don't have fixed positions. Everybody yeah. moves around everywhere, so yeah. every chair has a mirror. Yeah, and I, and I like that too. I'm not a big fan of fixed positions. I like yeah. people to move around during the day. 
and the, and the business model that you have at 14J, is it is it commission-based or is it rental? How does it work? No, it's commission-based. Um, I'm all about team and team culture. Yeah. And I, I think that if you're chair rental, booth rental, freelance, whatever term you want to use for whatever country you're in, um, I think that it's hard to build salon culture around. Yeah. yeah no. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It, it, at, at 14J, what... Um, are there any unique um, experiences that you offer clients from a you know well, from a customer service experience thing? I mean, you just yes. you just mentioned things like glass of prosecco, etc., which is which yes. is great, you know. But well, any yes. other little things that you can share? Yeah, with Yeah, sure. Um, when the guest comes in, just very quickly for you, when the guest comes in, you know, we take their coat, we give them a gown, we give them a menu straight off mm. that has like four or five different teas coffees, Prosecco, wine, you know, we, we, it's more like a cafe, you know, and that's complimentary. And then um, every time the guest is shampooed, they have a head massage, they have a hand massage, they have a hot towel around their head. Um, every guest gets, gets a complimentary treatment, either a protein or a moisture treatment, whether they're having a haircut or a color. So we make the backwash the experience. So they come, they lie down, we remove the color or we shampoo their hair. We do the head massage. We put the treatment on the ends. We wrap them in a hot towel. While that hot towel is processing, they get a hand massage that's wrapped in a hot towel. We leave them there for a few minutes, you know, fall asleep, relax, do whatever. And then we bring them back to the chair. When they're finished, we have a seat by the front desk that has a makeup area. We give them a free, sort of like a complimentary lip finishing touch or we put some makeup on for them. Because if you watch, the first thing a lady does when she's had her hair done is reapply her makeup. Mm. That also helps with the retail sale, right? And yeah. then once they've had the makeup done, we walk them through the retail area, talk to them about what we used on their hair today, what we would recommend for them, and then take them through to the front desk. Yeah. So now, um, th that's interesting when you talk about the the makeup retouch, etc. Uh, when you do reopen um, in the next few weeks, what yes. sort of changes are you envisaging? Long term changes, not just we're going to do this for a month and reassess. Uh, are there any yes. long term changes that you're thinking of putting in place um, as people have become so much more? aware about sanitation, hygiene, social distancing, anything you're going to do? Yes. I mean, funny enough, we've been working on that plan this week about having gloves for the guests, having masks for the guests, obviously gloves and masks for the hairdressers. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do our makeup touch-ups. We're going to do our head treatments and our head. We're still going to do the hot towel on the head and the treatment. We're not going to do the hand massage. Um, so there are a few things that we, we're going to, and that's more about, health and safety for the hairdressers and making the guests feel comfortable. So it yeah. works both ways. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? You know, once nobody knows where this is going long term. Yeah. So I'd say we're going to do that when we first open, whenever that may be. And then we will see how things progress, what the government says and what our guests say. You know, I, th I think it's the three things. It's like, what are the hairdressers happy doing? What, what would the guests like to see? I'm a great believer in asking the guests, what do you like? What would you like us to do? You know, um, and then also, you know, we're going to be, every country is going to be different. And as you know, within the US, there's states as well. So, you know, our governor Cuomo is doing a great job, but what's his directive going to be? Sure. Yeah, so it's a bit of a wait and see thing. Exactly. Okay. Well, listen. Unfortunately, we we've, we've reached the end of our time. Whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram or whatever other social media channels? 
Yes, fourteen uh, J, and it's spelled. You spell it out: F O U R T E E N J A Y. Uh, it's fourteen J, and again, it's a simple name. The address of our salon is fourteen J Street, and we love we love the the address, so we call ourselves fourteen J. And we're on social media. Our website's there. You can email us. You can call us. Um, even though the salon's not open, people are still manning the phones. Sure. Um, you can connect with me through the fourteen J Instagram if you like. Okay. Well, I, I will put the, your Instagram handles for 14J and for Red Chocolate um, yes. in, in the show notes on our website, which is growmysalonbusiness.com uh, for anyone who wants to reach out to you. Um, as we're starting to wrap up here, if you're listening to this podcast with David Adams and have enjoyed it, then please, please, please do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. So to wrap up, David Adams, I can't believe an, a, a whole hour has gone by. Uh, thank you very much for being on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. We have really enjoyed listening to your wisdom and sharing your thoughts on all things hair color and um, lots more besides. Well, thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure to see you. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. And you're such a quick date. I can't believe an hour has gone by already. Yeah, cheap too. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's my (laughs) favourite. Actually, talking of which, um, and for people who are listening, we are on Zoom, and I am going to take a quick picture. There you go. There's Anthony, and I'm going to put that on my Instagram so I can promote Grow My Salon Business. Fantastic. All right, David. Well, it's great talking to you. And you uh, too. Until next time, be safe. Great. You too. Stay safe and well. Bye bye. And finally, I have a little favor to ask of you, our listeners, and that is that you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. By doing that, it helps other people find us, but more importantly, it motivates us to keep producing great content for you. So if you go to Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom of the page, select ratings and reviews, and write us a review. We would be very appreciative. So until next week, be safe. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.